Stanford University adds American to its list of harmful English words. Mitch McConnell joins the Democrats in supporting the massive omnibus spending bill. Plus, the border crisis is so bad, even MSNBC is covering it. All that and more. I'm Bobby Eberly. This is the 13-Minute News Hour. God bless the United States of America. Okay, friends, welcome to the show. Happy Wednesday. I hope you're having a great week. If you're new to the show, thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to start with Stanford University and what's probably the biggest waste of time and effort that I've ever seen coming out of a college campus. It's yet another symbol of woke gone crazy. Before we get into the lead story, I just want to thank all of you for watching the 13-Minute News Hour. Today marks the 500th episode, and I enjoy doing the show so much. Thank you for subscribing, participating in the chat, and leaving your comments. Together, let's push for 1,000 episodes. All right, now back to Stanford. After an apparently exhausting 18-month effort, the university has released its list of harmful words. These are words that the university is purging from its website, instructional materials, and that the university is encouraging students to stop using because, after all, they're harmful. Here's some background. So the word American is now considered imprecise language at Stanford University, suggesting American be changed to, quote, U.S. citizen, because American insinuates the U.S. is the most important country in the Americas. The California school purging 161 harmful terms from their sites. Stanford telling The Wall Street Journal it took them 18 months to come up with this list. Are you kidding me? 18 months to come up with 161 words or phrases that you shouldn't use if you want to be sufficiently woke, including the word American. Because, you know, it's a grievous sin against the left to think America is the best country in the Americas, let alone the entire world. It's just outrageous. And what's great is that there is a warning associated with the list that says you might be triggered by it, yet you are no longer supposed to use the word triggered. This team, which has its own trigger warning about when you read this list about the offensive and harmful language that might occur, although trigger warning shouldn't be used because the university says that that can cause stress about what's to follow. The term stupid also made the list. Stanford suggests boring or uncool instead. This is awesome. A trigger warning about reading a list that includes the word trigger in it. And now you can't use the word stupid. What's really stupid is that they provide alternative choices that don't mean stupid. Boring and uncool do not mean stupid. It's just nonsense. But when you start saying that you can't use the word American, you know that this is driven by left-wing wokeness. As reported by the New York Post, other listed terms include immigrant, which should be replaced by person who has immigrated or non-citizen to avoid referring to people by single characteristics, while walk-in hours is swapped out for open hours in order to include those with disabilities. The common phrase, beating a dead horse, is also cautioned against because it's based on the idea that it normalizes violence against animals. Yep, this is what comes out of today's institutes of higher education. All right, next let's talk about Mitch McConnell and the massive spending bill being pushed through Congress. But first, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search on my name, Hit that subscribe button. Make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. 
Next, let's talk about the spending bill that is making its way through Congress. This Congress. A Congress controlled by Democrats in the Senate and Democrats in the House. Wait a little while longer and Republicans will control the House and possibly come up with better legislation. But no, Senate GOP leader Mitch McConnell is not planning to wait. Here's the story. It's the last spending bill from a Democrat-run Congress for at least two years since Republicans will take over the House in January. But that is also the reason House Republicans were less than celebratory about the behemoth package saying Senate Republicans should have helped push the spending deal into next year to put more of a GOP stamp on the legislation. We can pass this bill, give our service members and commanders the resources they need, flip the president's broken budget request on its head, and actually cut baseline non-defense spending, said Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, Kentucky Republican. Or we can fail to pass the bill and give our armed forces uncertainty while the Chinese Communist Party continues to pour money into new research and more weapons. Oh, give me a break. Mitch McConnell is a huge Chinese sympathizer, and he actually uses them as a reason to pass this massive, wasteful bill. Fortunately, House Republican members are speaking out about this bill and urging a different course of action. When I'm Speaker, their bills will be dead on arrival in the House if this nearly $2 trillion monstrosity is allowed to move forward over our objections and the will of the American people, House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy of California tweeted. Mr. McCarthy joined the more conservative members of his conference in threatening Senate GOP sellouts. The tough talk didn't go over well with Republican senators, including at least one who plans to vote against the spending package. This is the chest pounding he has to do right now. I get it, said Senator Kevin Kramer, North Dakota Republican. But if that's going to be the position of House Republicans, they'll only prove that the right thing to do was exclude them from this bill. Now, the bill does end the vaccine mandate for members of the military and bans the TikTok app on government devices. But it also includes $10 billion in earmarks, another $45 billion in aid to Ukraine. Folks, we can certainly do better than this. All right, next here's an update on the crisis at America's southern border. If you recall on the last show, I talked about how the Democrat mayor of El Paso has declared a state of emergency because of the flood of illegal border crossers descending on the city. Now, just to let you know how bad things are, even MSNBC is covering the story. That's right, Joe Biden and his entire administration have implemented an open borders policy to disastrous effect. And even some left-wing media outlets are covering the story. Really what we're seeing here is a city that is overwhelmed and in chaos. These families behind me here, these are some of the lucky ones. We're inside a shelter, but a lot of shelters are overwhelmed. I just came from the streets this morning. There are hundreds of people sleeping in the airports, at bus stations, on the streets. A city that is overwhelmed and in chaos. And that's exactly right. Now, a judge has temporarily blocked the lifting of Title 42, which allowed for some of these illegal border crossers to be immediately expelled. But even greater numbers are coming in in anticipation of the border being thrown wide open with the elimination of Title 42. Even though Title 42 hasn't lifted yet, so many people have been able to come across. Not every nationality gets expelled. But we just spoke to people at this shelter here, Ruben Garcia, who runs this shelter, who says, look, already there are people sleeping on the streets. The numbers that will be sleeping on the streets if Title 42 lifts is unfathomable. And he says the federal government will have to do more. 
And just as a reminder, about three months ago, Fox News's Peter Ducey and White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre had this exchange. Somebody unvaccinated comes over on a plane. You say that's not okay. Somebody walks into Texas or Arizona unvaccinated, they're allowed to stay. Why? But that's not how it works. Like we actually, no. Happening. I know that that's not what you guys want to happen, but that is what, ha what is happening. But that's not, it's not like somebody walks over and <laughs> that's not, that's, that's not exactly how. exactly what's happening. And yesterday, here's the MSNBC reporter. We were even able to see as of last night, a lot of migrants just crossing and migrants I spoke to this morning saying they haven't had any interaction with U.S. immigration authorities. They just walked right in. Wait a second. People just walk right in? But the White House said people don't just walk right in. And DHS Secretary Mayorkas said the border is secure as well. Friends, there's reality, and then there's the Biden administration. And something needs to be done. All right, next, let's talk about an interesting conflict that popped up as a result of conservative opposition to House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy's bid to be the next Speaker of the House. Now, first, let me clarify that, yes, McCarthy certainly faces opposition from some House conservatives, but he also has a number of conservative supporters as well. Given that fact, and the fact that tensions are definitely on the rise to either rally around McCarthy or find a suitable alternative, House members who are normally allies are now squaring off and trading insults. In particular, there has been a dust-up between Representatives Lauren Boebert from Colorado and Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia. It all began when Boebert was asked about Greene's support of Kevin McCarthy. Someone who we all respect, Marjorie Taylor Greene, says Kevin McCarthy is going to be a great speaker. Uh, well, you know, I, I've been um, aligned with Marjorie and accused of believing a lot of the things that she believes in. I don't believe in this, just like um, I don't believe in Russian space so, lasers. Are, are you a hard no? Space lasers. <laughs> now, that comment was in reference to a post Greene shared on Facebook back in 2018, which tried to link California wildfires, the Rothschild family, and laser beams together in what became known as the Jewish Space Lasers post. Green has since renounced that post, but that didn't stop Boebert from bringing it up. And that brought out this response from Green. I've supported and donated to Lauren Boebert. President Trump has supported and donated to Lauren Boebert. Kevin McCarthy has supported and donated to Lauren Boebert. She just barely came through by 500 votes. Green said that she is 100% committed to the Save America agenda and not high school drama, tweeting this as a follow-up. She gladly takes our money, but when she's been asked, Lauren refuses to endorse President Trump. She refuses to support Kevin McCarthy, and she childishly threw me under the bus for a cheap soundbite. Interesting exchange, and as I mentioned, the pressure is building on whether McCarthy can round up the votes to be Speaker. Where do you fall? Should Kevin McCarthy be the next speaker? Let me know in the comments. All right, next I want to give an update on the situation in Arizona with the election lawsuit put forward by Republican gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake. As you probably know, a judge has allowed Lake's lawsuit to proceed to trial, and the media outlet Just the News has put together a great story that summarizes some of the undisputed facts that went down in Arizona. Number one. At least 70 vote centers in Maricopa County experienced ballot printer issues on Election Day, which resulted in ballot tabulation machine errors. Number two, as of two days after the election, there was a nearly 16,000 ballot discrepancy between the outstanding ballot counts estimated by Maricopa County 
and the Arizona Secretary of State's office. Number three, Maricopa County's Election Day issues prompted Arizona Attorney General Mark Bronovich's office to send a letter to the county inquiring about first-hand witness accounts that raise concerns regarding Maricopa's lawful compliance with the Arizona election law. Maricopa County is a complete mess, and I'm so thankful this lawsuit is proceeding because we can't just walk away from problems like this. We have to fight back. Here's more. Number four, Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs's office threatened the Mojave County Board of Supervisors with possible felony charges if they didn't certify the election by November 28th. Number five, Cochise County didn't certify its election by November 28th, but was then sued by Hobbs's office to certify. Number six, Maricopa County uses in-person voter turnout data from prior elections for planning placement of vote centers for future elections. But the county also categorizes the data by political party, raising concerns that voters of different parties could possibly have different election day experiences based on their location. So many problems, but Republicans certainly have a candidate who's willing to fight. Friends, that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search on my name, hit that subscribe button, make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Our next show will be Friday evening at the usual time. Until then, I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour.